Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. You know, I've, I've wanted to minister at least a dozen different things to you tonight, and I'm struggling to know which one to minister, so I'm probably just going to minister a little bit of everything. <laughs> These are verses right here that I spent, I can't remember the exact year, but I think it was around 10 years ago. It might have been more than that even. I'm not sure. But I spent an entire year ministering or meditating on Ephesians chapter four and just a portion of these verses. I didn't go anywhere else in the Bible, but Ephesians chapter four. And when I would see something, then I would follow it to that other place and study it out. But my whole focus was on Ephesians four for one solid year. And at least 10 of my teachings come out of this one chapter. And so I want to share some of these things that the Lord was speaking to me. This is just rich with the things that are in here. And I tell you, these are things that would transform every single person's life. And so we'll start here. And I'm not sure, like I said, I'm going to probably give you everything I know this weekend. Amen. And uh, maybe in a shortened form, but um, if this impacts you the way it's impacted me, this will change your life. So anyway, there's a lot of really powerful things here. He talks about the unity of the faith in the beginning of this. And then he talks about, let's go down to verse, um, verse 11. It's talking about after Jesus died, he descended into the lower parts of the earth. He raised up and he gave gifts unto man. And here are some of these gifts in verse 11. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. You know, we could spend a lot of time on that one verse because we aren't all the same. All of the leaders aren't the same. There are different gifts. I'm a teacher. And you know what? It's just normal, I think, for everybody to see things from their viewpoint more than they do from other people's, but you have to make an effort to recognize that there are people who are apostles. There are people who are evangelists and prophets and they're different and we see things differently and not everybody should be the same. I've learned this in our ministry. If I got people and brought them on that were exactly like me, then you know what? I would double my strengths and double my weaknesses. That's not what you need. You need people that are different than you, that have different giftings and callings. And sad to say, most of us are so focused on ourselves and thinking only about ourselves and our own perspective that we don't see the benefit of having people different than us. I have people come all the time and say, well, somebody's preaching grace the way that you do, but they do this and they do that. And you know what? They're different. If everybody was like me, I only reach a certain segment of the body of Christ. We need other people who are saying the same thing from a different gifting, from a different perspective to reach people. Not everybody needs to be like me or like you or like somebody else. He gave these different gifts to the body and look in verse 12. It says, here's the reason he did this, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Here is a great truth. This is awesome. And I don't know how this happened, but we do not operate in this, in the body of Christ as a whole. The body of Christ leans on the ministry gifts and believe that they are supposed to do all of the ministry. But this makes it very clear that the apostle 
prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher were given to perfect the saints so that the saints could do the work of the ministry. I don't know how we got to this place to where a pastor is supposed to do everything. And if people get born again, we're supposed to bring them to the church and they get born again in the church and things like this. That is not the way God set this up. Now it is true that a, that a a person who's in the leadership in the body of Christ ought to be able to get a person born again, but they ought to take these things that they have and share it with every member of the body of Christ. And it's the body of Christ, the members of the church that should be out here doing all of the great things. I don't know how many of you ever heard of uh, Mel Tari, but back in the 70s, Mel Tari was the biggest thing in the body of Christ. He was from Indonesia and they had a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People walking on water, multiple people being raised from the dead. He wrote a book about it entitled Like a Mighty Wind. And it just swept through all of the charismatic people back in the 70s. And he was very popular. I mean, he would speak and tens of thousands of people would show up and Lots of great things would happen. And I heard him speak. And then about 10 years after that, I heard him speak. And um, he talked about that, you know, they used to see all of these miracles and they saw prophecies and blind eyes open and all of these things happen in these churches in Indonesia. And then 10 years later, I heard him speak. And he says, now we hardly ever see a miracle in church. And when I heard that, I thought, well, that's a shame, but that's the way it works. It just seemed like that the moves of God never last. And what he went on to say, he says, we don't see them in church because all of the people in church have been healed and set free. And we see more people raised from the dead. We see more blind eyes open than we ever have, but we don't ever see them in church. They're happening out on the street. They're happening in people's businesses. And see, that's the way that it's supposed to be. We've got so many hurting people in the church that yes, we need to see a lot of miracles in the church, but the prophet, I mean, all of the prophets, evangelists and pastors and all of these things are supposed to be perfecting the saints so that they can go out and do the work of the ministry. It is not efficient for all of the shepherds to produce all of the sheep. Shepherds should tend sheep and sheep should beget sheep. And because a shepherd is also a sheep, he should beget sheep too, but he shouldn't be the only one producing sheep. Every member ought to be producing sheep. Every member in the body of Christ ought to be able to cast out devils and to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and see miracles happen and blind eyes open. And this is one of the things that we're trying to do. This is the reason I am so excited about having these prayer ministers. Many of them are students. We've got pastors, friends uh, that have traveled with us. They pay their own expense and they come here. And I am so excited to see these people down here praying with people. And this is where the vast majority of the miracles happen. I'm so excited about Ashley and Carly. It's only been, what was it, six years ago that it was six years ago in March that their daughter was dying and they had been believers, but they were told that it was God's will, uh, that their daughter was sick, that sometimes uh, he just lets people die. God doesn't heal everybody. And they just got hold of the word six years ago. Their daughter was basically raised up from the dead after the doctor sent her home and only gave her hours to live. And she's a healthy girl today. And in six years time, they've gone through Bible school 
They've graduated. They moved over here to the States. They are now helping run our third year program. They help run our healing school that meets every Thursday. They travel with us, train our prayer ministers. And here are people that just a few years ago didn't know about healing, didn't know about what Jesus had provided. And now they are training other people and seeing miracles happen. And this is the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to all be me. It's not supposed to all be a minister. It's supposed to be every rank and file person. If you're born again in here tonight, you are a believer. And it says in in, uh, Mark chapter 16, these signs, I think it's verse 17, Mark 16, 17, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. I had two people come to me tonight and want me to cast devils out of them. And I said, I don't doubt that there are devils and that they cause problems, but it's, it, you know, you don't have to have me cast them out. You get hold of the truth. And the Bible says in James 4, 7, you resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And I said, I'd rather tell you the truth and I'd rather have you resist the devil and them flee from you than me cast them out. But again, see, most people I'm just a person in the body of Christ. I can't cast out devils. That's wrong. This is saying that all of these gifts are given to help you reach a a place of perfection. That doesn't mean that you have no problems. It means maturity. To reach maturity to where you do the work of the ministry. You should be casting out devils. These signs will follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Every person in here ought to be speaking in tongues and flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And I don't believe that this means we're all supposed to be snake handlers. But this means just like the apostle Paul, I think it was in the 27th or 28th chapter of the book of Acts, he had a serpent bite him and he supernaturally shook it off and it didn't kill him. If you have something happen to you, God will supernaturally sustain you through it. This doesn't encourage you to go out and tempt God handling snakes. Or you could look at it in a spiritual sense that we're all going to overcome the devil, which Satan is compared to a serpent. It says you shall drink any deadly thing and it shall not harm you. Again, this isn't uh, something that you go out and drink poison just to see if it'll work. But it's just saying that if you are a believer, you can walk in supernatural power so that whatever the devil throws at you, whatever happens in your life, you can have supernatural victory over it. It is not just the preachers that are supposed to be walking in power and victory. I tell you what, it would be good if all preachers walked in supernatural power and victory, but we aren't even to that level. But we need to be beyond that level to where every person in the body of Christ, if you're a believer, you've got God Almighty living on the inside of you and every one of you is supposed to be able to do the things that I do. Now I've got a gift to teach. Some of you may question that, but you didn't know me before. Amen. (laughs) Compared to where I was, it's supernatural. And I've got a gift to teach, but every person in here is supposed to be able to teach. The Bible says every one of us is supposed to give an answer of the hope of the calling that lies within us to any person that asks. Now you may not, that may not be your calling. You may not be called to be on television or radio, but every one of you ought to be able to speak and represent God and tell the truth. 
Every one of you ought to be able to operate in the gifts. Every one of you ought to be able to see blind eyes open, deaf ears open, see people raised from the dead. John chapter 12, verse 14, Jesus was speaking and he said, verily, verily, I say unto you. The the word verily means truly. Jesus was saying, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Everything Jesus said was the truth. But when he started it off by saying, I'm telling you the truth, it's because he knew people were going to struggle with this one. This was going to be beyond their ability to believe. So he starts off by saying, I'm telling you the truth that the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my father. And I've heard people all of my life try and explain this away by saying the greater works are being on television and radio and putting out tapes or CDs and all of the technology. And I don't believe that that's true. But let's just forget that part. What are you going to do with the part of that verse that says the works that I do? shall you do also. Until you get to where you do the works that Jesus do, don't even worry about the greater ones. You don't jump to the top of the ladder, start at the bottom rung and work your way up. What are you going to do with the part of that verse that says the works that I do? If you are believing on him, the works that he did, will you do also? Did you know every one of you should be able to know the word of God, to be able to quote the word of God, to be able to operate in the word of God. This is not for the super saints. This isn't for the pastors. There shouldn't be this concept of clergy and laity. I understand that there are people that are called to full-time ministry as I am. Not everybody's called to that. One of the things we're trying to do in our school is to let people know that, man, we need people in the marketplace who are turned on, fired up Christians. We have a business school that is teaching people how to go back into business and take the scriptural principles into business. And so not everybody is called to a vocation of being full time, but every one of you should be able to operate in the power of God. And that's what these verses are saying, that The ministers are called to help perfect you so that you can do the work of the ministry. There's nine gifts of the spirit listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's about another eight or nine that are listed in Romans chapter 12. And I don't think that those are all of them. There's many gifts. Did you know that there's some people that have a gift of exhortation? They're just encouragers. There's some people that you get around them and they just build you up. It's just the way they are. They could even be in a problem and they're still an encourager. They just, they're just an encourager. We were talking about one at lunch today about this friend of ours over in England that you get around her and you just laugh. She is a hoot. She's fun to be with. She's just an encourager. Did you know that not every pastor has that gift? And when a person gets discouraged... Instead of sending the pastor over there, trying to get him to do something that's outside of his gift, there's people in that body that have a gift of encouragement. There are people in that body who are administrators who have a gift of helps. There are people in that body that have a gift of giving. We all have different gifts. And instead of one man trying to be everything to the body of Christ, we ought to train you and build you up so that every one of you can go out and supply something. I had a man with me, Don Crow, who's been with me for many, many years, and we pastored together. He was my associate pastor, and Don Crow had a gift of giving. Now, I love to give. I give a lot of money, and I just give, give, give. I love it. 
but I don't have a gift like Don did. Don just knew. He would tell me that this person needs $83.23. And at first I thought, Don, why are you getting down to the pennies? But he knew. And I remember a woman in our church, he told me to give her $83.23. And I was going to give her a hundred. And he said, nope, $83.23. And so I gave her that exact amount. And this woman just started crying and she pulled a bill out of her purse and she was going to get her electricity turned off because it was $83.23. That ministered to her more than if I'd have given her a hundred dollars she knew that this was God. And, and Don just had a gift of giving. And you know what? I turned him loose. Anytime Don wanted to give, man, I would help him to give. And because I recognized he had a gift of giving. And I didn't have that. And you know what? We just, we are dep- we're putting more weight on ministry gifts than what God wants us to. God wants you. You know, here's another way of saying it. We spend, I don't know how much, but over a million, around a million dollars a month in just television and radio airtime. That's not including everything else we have, our employees. That's just airtime that we spend a million dollars a month. And we can reach people all around the world. But I can guarantee you there's people right here in Orlando or wherever you come from that have never heard of me. I talked to two people out there tonight who said, I'm sorry, I've never heard of you. And I said, well, I never heard of you either. But you know what? It wouldn't matter if I spent $10 million a month. There's people that you know that will never hear of me. I will never reach them, but you will reach them. If every person sitting in a seat right here tonight was flowing in the fullness of God, and if you were operating in the Word of God and seeking the gifts of the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit lead you, and instead of going through your day thinking about yourself and focused on your needs, if you went through the day saying, oh God, who can I touch today? Flow through me. And if you were mature, we could take, I don't know how many people are here, but at least a thousand. And you know what? We could multiply. And if every person in here went out and, and flowed in the power of the Holy Spirit, you would touch more people through this group right here than I'll ever touch on television in this area. If every one of you went out and spoke to the people that you pump gas, that you buy grocery from, the, the mailman, whoever it is that you deal with, your relatives, your friends, your neighbors, we would touch more people right here than I'll touch in a lifetime in this area. It's inefficient to make one person or just a select group of people, the the clergy and everybody else is the laity and you pay these people to promote the gospel. That's wrong. We are supposed to be maturing you and bringing you to a place to where you can do the work of the ministry. This is God's will. So that's what it says in verse uh, 12 that we henceforth, or excuse me, that's verse... um, I went ahead of myself. In verse 12, we do all of this for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, here's another thing about church is that church is not a place to reach the lost. 
And yet there's many churches that it's all evangelistic. It's all built around giving some kind of an appeal for people to accept the Lord and come to the Lord and get saved. Church is not for the lost. Now, is that to say that we discourage the lost from coming or we don't let them come? No, if they come, praise God, we need to receive them and get them born again. But that is not the purpose of the church. The church isn't to be an evangelistic thing. It's to mature the believers so that the believers go out and they're mature and at work, they see people born again. They see people born again in their families and in their get togethers, in their neighborhood, in PTA or whatever it is that you're doing. You see people born again as you go out. And that's where all of the people ought to be getting born again. And then you bring them to church to get them nourished and built up and encouraged in the word of God. That's the way that God intended for it to work. That's what these verses are saying. And in verse 13, it says, this is the way it's supposed to be till we all come in the unity of the faith. Man, like I said, I spent a whole year on this. I could preach on every one of these things for days. But you know what? Most people have just written it off that, hey, we're never going to agree. Well, I think that there are going to be differences and stuff, but you know what? There ought to be unity of the faith. It says that this is what the ministry gifts are supposed to be doing is bringing us into a unity of the faith. There shouldn't be the schism, the division that we see in the body of Christ. And it's happened because the word of God has not been given a priority. With many religious groups, it's not about the word of God. It's all about the smoke and mirrors. You know, uh, my television program, many of you probably not thought about this, but it's by design boring or plain. (laughs) My television guy, when we hired him, I had people come in and they said, oh man, they they spent five minutes with me and they said, we're going to do this, this, this. And they told me everything they were going to do. And the guy who we actually hired, he came in, he had never heard of me before when he came to apply for the job. And he didn't tell me a thing. He asked me questions. I was interviewing him for a job and he asked me questions. And he says, I don't know you. He says, could I have a couple of your books and some of your Uh, CDs. And he says, let me listen to them and then I'll come back to you next week. And so he came back the next week and I've paraphrasing, but this is exactly what he meant. He says, you're just as plain as dirt. (laughs) And he says, if I have all of these fancy graphics and all of this stuff flying in and out and all this, he says, it's not you. He says, you just want one camera and you want to sit down and talk to me just like I'm sitting across a table from you. And I said, oh no, I want to do this first class. I want three cameras. And anyway, I argued with him about it. And he says, why do you want three cameras? And I said, well, because that's the way everybody else does it. (laughs) And he says, you know, he says, your strength is just being plain and just speaking the word. It's not fancy. He says, there's nothing fancy about you. And he says, you just need to do this. And with his help, we have intentionally made our program plain. It's not bad. I think it's great, but it's plain. And you know, I have people all of the time. I bet you I don't have a day go by that somebody doesn't sign our guest book or send me an email about, I saw you on television for years and I passed you by because you were boring. (laughs) You know what they mean by that is that you didn't scream and shout and yell and you didn't say glory to God. And you didn't do all of the things that everybody else did. 
And because I didn't do that, they didn't think I was anointed. You know why? Because religion has made it all about the fancy show and the nice dress and whether you've got this going and all of these other things. And it's not about the word. And so by design, we are trying to make it all about the word. If people were ministering the word of God, we could come into a unity of the faith, but we're never going to agree on all of the styles of music and all of these different things but we should be able to come into agreement about the word. And this is the job of the ministers, but to do that, you've got to teach the word of God is what this is saying. So we should all come together in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect man. That's talking about a mature man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, there's probably some people listening to me right here and saying, you know what? This is unobtainable. You're, you're just whistling Dixie. You cannot accomplish this. We cannot all be mature. This right here is saying that we, until we all come together unto the unity of the faith and unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Every single person in the body of Christ was intended and designed by God to walk in the fullness of Jesus. And brothers and sisters, I'm not saying this to criticize. I'm saying it to open up our eyes. If we don't increase our expectations, you aren't going to get there. You got to start looking for something. You know, many people are shooting at nothing and hitting it every time. You're going to have to increase your aim. You're going to have to start shooting at something more. So I'm not saying this to criticize, but I'm saying we've got a lot of people today that are so carnal that they don't understand the very foundation, the the most simple, basic things. The average person in the body of Christ cannot stand on their own. They have to go to other people every time you get sick, every time you have a problem, you have to call up somebody to pray for you. And again, there's a growth process. Don't be condemned wherever you are, but don't be complacent. I'm saying that we are supposed to come unto a fullness, unto a perfect man, a mature man, and unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You're supposed to be a Christian. That means that when people look at you, they say they're just like a Christ. They're a little Christ. And brothers and sisters, again, I'm not trying to condemn. I'm saying, I'm trying to put a standard up here and say, here's where God wants us to go. The people look at you and think, you know, they're just like Jesus. Man, they love the people that crucify them and that hate them and come against them. Are you one that if somebody pushes your button, boy, you can get as carnal as anybody. Do you get stressed out over every little thing? Do you get fearful when the economic downturn hit? Did you start whining and complaining about everything the same as the unbelievers did? Have you struggled the same as the unbelievers do? There ought to be a difference between a person who's a Christian and not a Christian. You ought to have a joy and a peace. You ought to have a prosperity because God said he'd supply your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, not according to the U.S. economy. I'm not saying any of these things to condemn, but I am saying it to say that we are missing the mark. God intended us to come unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And the next verse that we henceforth be no more children. 
tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Man, I could spend a few days on this one. There is so much carnality, manipulation being done in the body of Christ. And I love the body of Christ. I am a member of it. But brothers and sisters, as a whole, we are one gullible group. You know what? Lost people don't believe in the supernatural. And so they aren't as willing to just sit there and let somebody come along and spin a tale and you just accept it. There's a skepticism that keeps many lost people from falling for things such as if any of you were Christians and remember Y2K. Did you know that the unbelievers, the, the non-Christian world didn't make a thing of Y2K because it was not an issue. But the Christians blew it out of proportion. I knew people that, I, I know a pastor, this is not an exaggeration, I know this person that sold a six-month supply of food and guns in his church, told people to move out into the country because it was going to be the beginning of the Great Tribulation and you had to buy guns so that you could kill the unbelievers that wanted to come and get your food. That would have been a great Christian witness. <laughs> and they believe it was going to be the end of the world and... You know, I just thought I've traveled all around the world and I go to so many places where they don't even have computers. It's not going to affect the people in Uganda and the people out in the bushes in Africa and different places. And I knew that it wasn't God that wanted us to kill our neighbors if they came over and tried to get our food. And I knew that if you were, if there was going to be something happen, God wouldn't want you to hoard. He'd want you to give. And he wouldn't want you to operate in fear. He'd want you to operate in faith. And so I rejected the whole thing. And I went out and started speaking against it. They had me on some talk shows. And I had Christians ridicule me. And a call-in show where they called and said, you are off the devil. How dare you? You aren't preparing the people. And man, it just became a huge contentious thing. Many of you may not have been born again or weren't paying attention back then, but I guarantee you among the charismatics, it was going to be the end of the world. It was a big deal. And I started on television January the 3rd, 2000. That was a Monday. January the 1st was Saturday. And I, I started my first television show teaching against Y2K and saying, if you're watching this program, you now know that that was a lie. <laughs> and I said, if you aren't watching this program and if my program's not on, then I'll come on and say that I was wrong. And I, I challenged anybody who preached Y2K and all of this terrible stuff that if they were wrong to come on and say that they were wrong, and I never heard a single one of them retract it, they would all say, well, it was just wisdom. We just were being cautious. No, you was being fearful. You was being unbelieving. Amen. I'm just using that as an example that we're children tossed to and fro. It was a non-event. And yet the body of Christ, I mean, 
hundreds of thousands of people. David at that time was working for Sears and they made a killing off of selling generators, Christians, you know, storing up for the tribulation and all of this kind of stuff. Gullible. Ministers come out. I had a woman come to me one time and she had a letter and she was crying. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, this minister on television, I sent in to him one time and he sent me a letter and God woke him up at two o'clock in the morning and gave him my name. And he wrote a personal letter to me. It's got my name on the head and then throughout the letter. And he told me that if I would send him a thousand dollars, that all of the people I'm praying for would be born again. And she says, I'm praying for all of these people, but I don't have a thousand dollars. What do I do? And she showed it to me and I just tore the letter into pieces and I threw it in the trash. And she says, you can't do that. He got my name. And I said, he got a hundred thousand people's names through the computer and his computer put your name in there. I said, don't be so gullible. I said, that's not God. Thank you for those two or three amens from my staff. (laughs) Some of you are thinking, well, couldn't that happen? I I guess it could happen one out of a million times, but not when he sends out a hundred thousand letters to a group of people and tells them all that he got their name that night in a dream. It's a lie. It's a manipulation. It's a scam. I was watching something on TV. They were having a telethon and in the next 12 minutes, if you give, then God is going to do this. And then they got down. Oh, we've only got two minutes left. Hurry or the blessing is leaving. And then it gets down to the end of it. And they said, oops, I just got a word from God. He's extending it in another 12 minutes. You know, it would be funny if it wasn't pathetic. And let me just say, you know why people do that? Because it works. I bet you some of you gave to that exact thing. And let me ask you, how's it working for you? Did you get the 100,000 return on your $1,000 gift? It's a con. And this is what the body is into. And you know why people fall for it? Because they the ministers haven't taught us in the word of God. We haven't matured. We're gullible. You fall for anything because we don't know the word of God. That's not the way that God works. Man, I could get plumb off the subject, do a related thing here and show you scripture after scripture after scripture that wealth gotten quickly takes away the life of the owners thereof. God is not into helping you win the lottery go gambling or give a thousand dollars and get a hundred thousand back. That's an ungodly principle. Now it is true that you'll get a hundredfold return in this life, but it's not going to happen in the next 12 minutes or in the next week. It's a long-term thing. And if you knew the word of God, you'd be able to reject scams and stuff like that. And yet people give to it. You know, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying this to try and make an illustration that I've gone on the web before and I've seen some people who, uh, I'm not going to call their names, but they're, they're, I, they may be born again, but they're carnal at the very best, close to being crooks. And they have a hundred times as much income as we do. 
because they manipulate, because they lie, because they put out these things and people, it works. And you know what? People say, well, you know what? God's going to bless me anyway. No, every time you give to something like that, you're encouraging them to do this. There's scriptures that talk about give where you're fed. You don't go get a, a burger from McDonald's and go across and pay Taco Bell. The scripture says, give where you're fed. I could, I could teach on this in more detail, but that's basically what the scripture said. And there's many people that give where they're begged, not where they're fed. Most people, and again, I know that God didn't put this on my heart to say for all the people that didn't come tonight. So I believe it's some of the people that are in here too. But there are some of you that you give where you're begged. If a person will flash a picture of somebody in Africa with a swollen belly on there and talk about how that they're dying and stuff, you'll give to it where you're begged. And I'm not saying that you don't give benevolence and you don't help, but I'm saying that most people give emotional and give where they're begged more than where they're fed. And that's wrong. I had a group of guys come one time and tell me that they could raise a million dollars. And this is back when my entire year's income wasn't a million dollars. And man, I could have used a million dollars. So I said, come on, tell me. And they got there and I won't tell you the name of this minister, but many of you gave to them. And they had just raised somebody $22 million through a letter that they put out. And I said, man, that's awesome. They said, you're smaller, but we can guarantee you a million dollars in one month's time. And I said, how are you going to do it? And they started showing me the pictures of, of babies dying and orphanages and stuff. And, and they had it down to what color ink makes people give. How many times you underline and put these little brackets out in the uh, margins? They had, a, they had a study group and they had the colors and the exact number of times you had to underline to get people to give. And they started telling me all this. And I said, but I don't have an orphanage and I don't do any of these things. And they said, well, the guy we raised $22 million for didn't have them either. But people gave. And I said, I'm not going to do that. And they said, well, it doesn't matter how you get it. He says, you get it and then you can use it for the Lord or whatever you want to do. Doesn't matter how you get it. And I said, it does matter how I get it. I said, my integrity is worth more to me than that million dollars. And I kicked them out. But you know why that works? Because many of you give to that. Amen or oh me. I'm not mad at you. I'm trying to help grow you up. Look at the next verse down here. It says in verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, that's what I'm doing. Some of you may not like this. Some of you, this kind of rubs you the wrong way, but you know how to solve it. If you rub a cat against the grain and all of their hair stands up, you know how to solve that problem. You just turn the cat around and keep rubbing and it'll all lay down. So if what I've said rubbed you the wrong way, the thing to do is repent, turn around and it'll go to feeling good. Amen. I'm speaking the truth to you in love. I'm saying brothers and sisters, we're gullible because we don't know the word because we have depended upon other people to be mature for us so that we can sit in front of the television and watch as the stomach turns and all of the junk that we want to watch, we aren't spending time in the word. We haven't grown up. We haven't reached the fullness of the, of the measure of Christ. 
And we think, well, that's what I pray that, pay that preacher to do. That is wrong. God wants every one of us. Every one of you ought to be able to do what I'm doing with the exception of that I'm called to a full-time ministry. You may not be called to a full-time ministry. You may not be called to be on television, but every one of you ought to be able to know the word and share the word with other people, flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, see people in your world. You may not be called to the same world that I'm called to, but you are called in your world to pastor them and to reach them and to be a a, a vessel for the Lord to use. Every one of us. There are no unimportant people in the body of Christ. Every one of you have something to contribute. See, it says you speak the truth in love. You may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth maketh increase. Let's see, where was I? What verse? That which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Notice it says by that which every joint supplies. If we are depending upon one person to be the full expression of God and that God has to flow through this one person, that is so ineffective. Every one of you have something that God has anointed you to do. You can do something that I can't do. You have influence on someone that I don't have. You have a talent, a gift, something that I don't have. And I know some of you think, oh, that's not true. But it goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and talks about even the uncomely parts. That's talking about the non-beautiful parts are more necessary. Like, you know, nobody's going to lust after your elbow. I've never seen a sexy elbow or a pretty elbow, but you know what? If you didn't have an elbow, you wouldn't be able to use your hand It doesn't matter if you think that you're the little toe. Man, you lose your little toe or you get your little toe hurt and I guarantee you, your whole body's gonna be affected by it. Every part of the body of Christ is important. Every one of you have something to offer. Every one of us. And it's not until we get everybody flowing together that we are gonna see the full expression of Jesus. You know, Jamie and I used to pastor a church in Childress, Texas. We were a very close-knit group. There was only about 80 maximum, probably 50 to 80, and 50 was the core. They met in our home, and we had such love for each other. It was, it was just like we were all one people. It was different than what most of you consider to be church. I mean, we would die for each other, and if a person got sick, we would call the other members of the church And the whole church, maybe barring a couple of people that had children at home that they just couldn't leave or something, it'd be out at two o'clock in the morning. We'd show up at a person's house and pray with them until they got healed. We would do anything for each other. It was a close-knit body. And I taught them everything I knew about healing. 
And as a result, in Childress, Texas, we saw blind eyes open, deaf ears open, people brought in in ambulances and they were healed. We had people with cast that we would pray and we'd cut the cast off and they would instantly jump up and down and run. We had third degree burns that right in front of our eyes, the burns, the bubbles would go, the flesh would heal up. We had uh, people with uh, asthma that we would pray and they were able to take off running. We had any kind of miracle you want to mention. We saw miracle after miracle after miracle. We saw awesome things happen. And when I left that group and started traveling, that's when I started traveling and ministering, um, I was shocked because I was expecting to see the exact same results. And I went out and started praying. And I remember I said, I'm going to pray with you until I see it manifest. And I prayed with a person for about 20 minutes during the service. Finally, I dismissed the service. I went over to a house and about 20 of us stayed and prayed with the guy till two or three o'clock in the morning and never did see his healing manifest. And I went back and thought, God, what's going on? I've been two years and I've seen every single thing we prayed for manifest, blind eyes, broken bones. I prayed with a guy who his jaw was swollen because he had his teeth removed and uh, his jaw was swollen and it was black and blue. And I prayed with him and then slapped him and instantly right in front of our eyes, all the swelling left and the black and blue was gone. We saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And I was confused about why didn't I see the people healed tonight? And he says, you underestimate the power of a body that was in agreement and every single person was supplying their part. He says, you are not the whole body. And I realized I had to make an adjustment when I got out on my own and I come and people like this come tonight and I'm glad you came regardless of where you are in the Lord and where your growth is. But there are some of you here that I guarantee you, you aren't going to help other people get healed. You're sitting there in unbelief and skepticism and it can affect the faith of other people around you. And there's a different dynamic in here than there was in that small group of people that were just as strong and knew everything that I knew and were standing on the word of God. When you get every member of the body of Christ contributing, it makes a huge, huge difference. And yet our churches, this isn't even a goal for most of us. We're content to just, if you'll come and occupy your seat and pay your tithes and give me your money, we're content with that. And as a result, we aren't representing God because no one person can represent the Lord completely. It takes every one of us, every one of us doing what God called you to do. And even those of you who think I don't have anything, I can't give anything. I guarantee you, if you were to get the word in you and start falling in love with Jesus and walking in the things that God had, you would have a vital part to supply. There are people that you have their miracle on the inside of you. And I don't. And until I get you walking in the fullness of the power of God, there's going to be people that'll die without their miracle because I don't have it. That's what these verses are saying. And notice it says, um, we're compacted. Where's that verse? 16, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. Do you know what the word compacted means? It means pressed together and held together supernaturally. The best thing that I've read about this that, that helped me to relate to it, for those of you that work with wood or something, it's talking about particle board. 
You take all of these little bits and pieces, the shavings that are left over, and you compress them and glue them together. And did you know that particle board is stronger than solid wood? And that's what this is saying. That stronger than just one piece of something is to have hundreds of pieces that are so fitly joined together and compacted that you get the fullness of the measure of Christ. And this is what the body of Christ is supposed to be doing. And as a whole, it's not happening. And I'm probably redirecting some of your faith. I'm probably, you came here with a different attitude, but there's, we have this mindset. People come to a meeting like this thinking that I'm going to be able to get things for you. And you come here looking to me And you want me to do this. And you think that if I'll just do this and all of these things. And again, God loves you. He'll meet you where you are. We are going to pray with you. We are going to help you. We're going to have people down here. And I am not 100% against that. I'm only 98% against it. We need to change this attitude to where you come and you can hear a person and you can receive, but then God is going to speak to you. And you can go to the Lord. You can get anything from God that I can get. I don't have a special anointing for healing. I don't have a special anointing for prosperity. I'm just Joe Blow believer when it comes to healing and when it comes to prosperity and things like this. The only supernatural gift I have is a gift of a teacher. And I believe that I've moved into a prophet and an apostle with all of the Bible schools. We're starting things all over the world but I am, that's my gift. My dominant gift is a teacher. And that's what God's called me to do. But I don't have anything. I don't have a supernatural anointing. And yet I've seen multiple people raised from the dead and blind eyes open and things. And every one of you can do those same things. Those that believe will have these signs follow them. The same works that Jesus did shall we do also. Brothers and sisters, God wants you to mature. We need you to mature. The body of Christ needs you. You know, some of the older ones in here, boy, the body of Christ needs you. It says over in Titus chapter two, that the older men are supposed to teach the younger men. The older women are supposed to teach the younger women to love their husbands and to love their children And I tell you, we don't have mentors in the body of Christ the way that we should. And in the absence of it, people are turning to movies and to the television and to novels and to the internet. And this is where they're getting things modeled. And it's causing all kinds of problems because we don't have people in the body of Christ taking their position and mentoring other people and doing things. We need you in the body of Christ. We need you to rise up. You know, I just feel like this is the Lord pleading with you through me. God is calling out to some of you that your life, you're just real comfortable and you go home and watch television and don't ever do anything and it doesn't cost you anything. You go to church one hour a week and that's it. God's calling you to something more than that. You need to start maturing. There's people, there's children, grandchildren, neighbors, people that you work with that you're going to be the only Bible they ever read. You're going to be the only person that ever comes across their path. They aren't going to watch my television program. They aren't going to read my books. 
you need to mature. You need to do this. And you need to go out and do the work of the ministry. What would you think if you came to one of my meetings and I hadn't studied the word and I hadn't prayed and if I wasn't seeking for God to speak through me, there's many of you that would leave and you'd be so upset like I can't believe I wasted my time. How dare I go? And this guy didn't, he, he wasn't prepared. He didn't do anything and you'd be upset. And yet many of you go to church and don't give a minute's notice to it. You got a place in the body of Christ. You ought to be praying about it. God, what can I contribute? Who can I reach out and touch? It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. (laughs) Every one of you have a place. You need these things. And look at this. Here's where I was trying to get to. In verse 17, all of this is all preparation. In verse 17, these are the verses that I stayed in for over a year. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. What a huge statement. The Lord is saying, don't be as the Gentiles. The word Gentiles here is talking about non-Jew. The Jews were the covenant people of God. The way we would say this in our situation today is don't be like a person that doesn't know the Lord, a person who's not born again. Don't be like the lost. Don't be like them. How do you keep from being like them? It says... Uh, testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk or as the unsaved, those that don't know the Lord walk in the vanity of their mind. Boy, what a strong statement. I, I could spend, I've probably got five or six teachings that came out of this verse. Series, five or six teachings each in this. But did you know the thing that separates a true believer, a mature believer who's walking in the fullness of Christ and beginning to operate in maturity from a carnal believer is whether or not they walk in the vanity of their mind or whether they are being led by God through their spirit. Another phrase that is used in different places in scripture is being spiritually minded or being carnally minded, walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh. Those have become terms that people uh, have made religious terms and to the average person, it really doesn't mean much. They'll think walking in the spirit is going around with some weird spooky thing. You're floating around or you got your hands folded or you got your collar turned around backwards or you're wearing a miter or you're wearing some religious form of clothes or you got your hair piled up on your head and you can't wear jewelry and they they this is walking in the spirit to a lot of people walking in the spirit is just walking in the word john chapter 6 verse 63 he says the words that i speak unto you they are spirit and they are life so to be walking in the spirit is walking in the truth of the word of god following the leadership of the holy spirit as revealed in the word of god It's not weird. It's not spooky. It's not talking about the way you dress. It's just talking about, are you walking? Are you being led by the word of God, the Holy Spirit quickening it to you? Or are you walking in the vanity 
of your mind. You know what the word vanity means? If you look that up in the Strong's Concordance, it means the inutility and transientness. When I first read that, that didn't mean much to me and I had to meditate on it for a while. But inutility just means you aren't using it. You aren't utilizing it. Don't be like the lost that don't use their brain. That's profound. Some of you think, well, there's a lot of really smart people that don't know the Lord. Man, the Bible says twice in the Old Testament, Psalms 14, 1 and Psalms 53, 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. People that don't believe in God are fools. I don't care if you got 32 degrees behind their name, they're still frozen. I'm not saying that out of bitterness. I'm just saying, man, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. The firmament is showing his handiwork. Dave and I were out walking today and looking at all of this and just saying, man, isn't this awesome? We were smelling the flowers and seeing things and talking about how, you know, how awesome it is that God gave us legs to walk and how our body functions. The creation is just shouting out the existence of God. And yet some of our smartest people today don't believe that there's a God. Think we all evolved from slime. That's absolute ignorance. It's crazy. They aren't using their brain. I could spend an hour or two talking about evolution. Watch my television programs in September and we're going to do that. Amen. I got some awesome things to share on it. But just let me quickly say, did you know that the chances of an explosion taking place in a factory where they build planes, if you dropped a bomb in there and if all of the parts were there, which this is a big if, comparing this to evolution, People say there was a big bang and it, you know, I don't believe that so. But even if you believe that, what about all, all of the stuff that was there before the bang? How did it get there? Let's just suppose that all of these airplane parts were already there. And if you drop a bomb in there and if this bomb going off caused the 747 to be assembled, built, it can fly. It's perfect. Everything is working. The chances of that happening are less than one trillionth the same chances of evolution happening. Now, if you believe that you can drop a bomb in a factory and make a plane perfectly put together and fly, and if you believe that, I got a bridge I'd love to sell you. I got, I got some business for you. If you're gullible enough to believe that, you'd believe anything. And yet that is, that is trillions of times easier to come by than evolution. That's not using your brain. People that believe in that, they want to believe in it because it fits their lifestyle. They don't have to be accountable to a God. They can live like an animal because all they are is an evolved animal. Evolution is a faith. It's not a fact. And anyway, you know, there's a scripture that says, don't be as the horse or as the mule. I think it's Psalms chapter 32, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle. And it's, you know what it's talking about? It's talking about adultery. It says, he that commits adultery lacks understanding. And put that together with that verse that says, don't be as a horse or as a mule who have no understanding. You know why the lost do the things that they do? You know why people commit adultery? 
because they aren't using their brain. They're being led by their hormones. It's absolutely true. If you would sit there and think about it and think, I'm playing Russian roulette with my health. This person could have AIDS, sexually transmitted diseases. You could think about it. Why would I do this and gamble with my reputation, with my marriage, with my children? If you were to sit down and logically look at it, adultery is absolutely stupid. You wouldn't do it if you were using your brain. You're using your hormones. And it says, don't be like a horse or a mule who have no understanding. You know, I've had horses nearly my whole life. And I remember that I had this stud, first time I'd ever had a stud, and I had four mares. And one of them had already had a foal by this stud, and I didn't want to have more foals. And so I was in the process of building this fortress to keep that stud away from my mares. And I only had three sides of this fortress built when I got ready to go to uh, England for three weeks. And I thought, well, there's no way because my stallion, when when the mare was in heat, that stallion would go through barbed wire like it was butter. It didn't stop him at all. He would go through anything. It was scary to see the way this horse was. And so I only had three sides of this thing and I was going to put the stallion in this confined place and keep him shut up. I mean, I made it out of logs that were this big. There was no way he could get through it. But I thought I've only got three sides finished and the other side was just going to be barbed wire. All he had to do was just jump over to go through the barbed wire and and around. And I thought, well, this is never going to work. And I read that verse. Don't be as a horse or a mule who have no understanding. Horses aren't dumb, but they don't understand. They can't figure things out. They can't process. They can do anything. You can teach them to open up doors. You can teach a horse to do a lot of things, but they can't figure it out on their own. They don't have understanding. And I read that verse and I got to thinking about it. And so you know what I did? Instead of shutting up my stallion, I shut up my mare because my mare was the kind that if she saw barbed wire on the ground, she wouldn't step across it. She wouldn't get out. She'd just stay wherever you put her. She wouldn't get out for anything. So instead of shutting the stallion up, I shut up the mare and put her in there. And that stallion, all he would have had to have done is just go around the corner and come in through the barbed wire. But he didn't think it was his hormones flowing. And he saw that mare through those logs and he knew she was in there and he wasn't smart enough to go around. He kept trying to go through that for three weeks. He, he made a ditch that was that deep running back and forth right there in front of that mare. And he never did get inside there. I outsmarted him because you know what? That's the way a horse is. It's just all adrenaline. And if you are a person that goes out and commits adultery, that's what you are. You aren't using your brain. You aren't, you aren't using your understanding. It, sin isn't smart. It's emotional. So he says, don't be like a lost man that's just being led by his lust and having desires ruling. Use your head for something besides a hat rack. Utilize your brain. Think. Amen. The word of God will make you think. I had a woman at D.C. that came to our meeting and she had been in a mental hospital and she says, I got hold of your teaching and it just totally turned, turned her life around. 
And she, she was thanking me. She says, I'm totally free. I've been released from a mental institution. And I told her, I said, you know, all crazy is, is just thinking contrary to the word. And anybody who thinks contrary to the word is crazy in some degree. You start thinking according to the word and it'll change your life around. This is what he's saying. Don't be like the lost people. But don't use your brain. The word of God will show you things. It'll make you think about things that you wouldn't ever get watching television and watching all of the stuff that we watch. And we need to be in the word of God. We need to be renewing our mind and be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that word vanity means the inutility. And then the second definition of it is transientness. Transient means that you aren't in a fixed position. You're just moving around. You're constantly, you know, when I was a kid, we used to call people that were homeless, we'd call them transients or bums. I know that's not politically correct. I'm just telling you this is history. Amen. That's the way it was. And we used to call people transients and that meant that they didn't have a fixed place. They just would sleep in a different place every night. And that's what this word transient is talking about. People aren't focused. And today people... I'm going to get some of you. Some of you won't like this, but you know, Galatians 4, 16, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? We today, it's very popular to just be juggling 50 things at one time. We're multitasking. And that's considered to be a great asset. Paul said this one thing I do. If you're going to prosper, you have to be focused you can't be a master of everything. You need to find out what God called you to do and you need to focus on that. And this is what it's talking about. Don't be like the lost that are just running from here to there and they're doing this and they're just occupied with everything. You are not going to succeed at dozens of things at one time. You need to find out one thing and like Paul say this, one thing I do. You need to be like Colonel Sanders and just do one thing, do chicken right. Some of you don't remember that commercial, but that was a commercial. And uh, we need to get focused on the things of God. And if you would do that, this is what he's saying. Don't be like the lost people that don't use their mind. They're just entertained. They're numbed. You know, it's one of the signs of the end time. Second Corinthians chapter three, verses one through five. It lists all of these things. And one of the last things in that list is that they will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Boy, does that depict our society. Those of you that live here in the Orlando area, this whole area nearly is built off of people who are lovers of pleasure. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There's a place for it, but not the place that most people have given it. There are exponentially, I mean hundreds of times more money spent in the United States on entertainment and on pleasures than there are on tithes. That's misplaced. That's not the way that God intended it to be. And so we're just, aren't using our mind. We're just being entertained. You know, we use the word mesmerized. I don't know if any of you have ever talked about a person being mesmerized. But you know what that came from? There was a guy named Mesmer. And he hypnotized people. And it, back when it was brand new, it was really criticized and spoken against. And when he hypnotized a person, they would say, you're mesmerized. And that's where that came from. 
And you know what? This is what happens. People come home and they just sit in front of a TV and, and they're just sitting there and they, just, they don't have a conscious thought. Their brain's not working. It's just like you're just in neutral and you're letting the sewage of the world flow through you and come in front of your eyes and you just sit there and you're mesmerized. You can't pay attention. You forget time. You forget that you're supposed to do something else and you're just like that. And it's amusement. You know what the word amusement comes from? The word muse means to think upon. And the word ah, amusement, ah is an absolute negative that negates muse. In other words, it is the absolute inutility of your mind. It's the opposite of thinking on something. You're amused. You're just mesmerized. You're just sitting there and going along for the ride. The Bible says, don't be like that. Use your brain. Think about it. In Proverbs chapter four, it says, ponder the path of your feet and let all of your ways be established. If you would think about where you're going, you wouldn't do some of the things that you do. Going back to the uh, financial breakup, did you know people, if they would have used their head for anything, if they would have thought you go and get a loan and they guarantee that you don't have to pay any of the principal. Just pay the interest. And they give you these cheap rates and you enter into these balloon payments that in four or five years, you're going to have to pay the entire thing off. You haven't paid a bit of the principal. Did you know that that is a train wreck waiting to happen? And yet there's, there's probably people sitting right here that did all of that because you didn't think about the future There's people doing this today. We aren't thinking about our children's future and we're bailing out things and spending money that we don't have in this nation and we are facing a train wreck. I talked to this one guy who's running for Congress from Colorado Springs and he said if he gets elected, the first thing he's going to do is call for an audit of the United States government because he says nobody knows how bad it is. He says it's worse than anybody knows. And we are headed for a train wreck. But you know what? People are just going along. They're doing it because it'll buy them a vote or because of this or that or whatever. And we are just doing things that if we were in the word of God that says, oh, no man, anything but to love another. And if we were mature and walking in the things of God, did you know that you wouldn't have ever had a financial crisis because of the lending policies? It wouldn't have happened if the body of Christ was mature or if it would have happened, it would have happened to the unbelievers, but it wouldn't have happened to the people if they were following what God's word says. You wouldn't have had that problem. Thank you for that one. Yep. Amen. (laughs) Some of you disagree with that, but the word of God teaches against the way that people are managing their money today. It teaches against these things. Brothers and sisters, the word of God would help us in every area of our life. You'd be healthy. The Bible says that uh, a merry heart does good like a medicine. I think that's Proverbs 17, 22, something like that. A merry heart does good like a medicine. And yet if you listen to this world, you know, it's all about what you eat and whether you exercise. And yet the Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, honor your father and mother and your days will be long. 
I believe that diet and exercise are, of course, a part of it. And this is just endiology. I don't have a scripture on this, but I believe that your, your food and your exercise is 20, 30% of your health. Much more important are spiritual, emotional things. A merry heart will cause health in you. Honoring your parents will cause health in you. They go over and study the Japanese and say, well, they have high fish oil content in their diet. And so that's what makes them live so long, etc. And they forget that they honor their parents to the point of they worship their ancestors. Now that's an extreme, but nonetheless, they honor those parents. And there is a direct relation between honoring your parents and living long. My mother loved junk food and she lived to be 96. But you know what? She honored her parents. She was a happy woman, even though she had a lot of things happen. And those things are much more important than all of this other. But we have just become carnal. We are thinking like the lost. We aren't focused on the word of God. We aren't following the instructions of the word of God. It would stop economic problems. It would cause more health in you than any of the pills and drinking all of the twigs and the berries and doing this kind of stuff. That's not food. That's what food eats. You know what? We just, we are... Many of us are acting just like the world. And some of you are going to say, well, man, I can't believe you're saying this. You're putting down health stuff. There is a place for it, but it is not the place that it's occupying. There are people that are trusting more in their diet regimen than they are in the word of God. I knew a guy, Larry Huggins. Some of you may not may know him. He's a preacher. And Larry Huggins went and lived in the mountains of California for three or four years because he was trying to purge himself. And he ate twigs and berries and grass and all of this stuff. They got so clean that when they came back down out of the mountains, he could go under an electrical line and all of his hair would stand up. He said that they purged themselves. They did detox and they, they did everything. They were extreme in the health realm and he had allergies and he had everything that was wrong with him. The guy nearly died. That's the reason he had to come out of the woods. <laughs> and he got born again and he started praying over his food and his allergies left and his uh, asthma left and all of these things that he had been trying to get healed of through natural things left when he started blessing the food he ate and stuff. There's a place for doing the right thing. I'm not saying you should go out and pig out and do all that, but I'm saying it's not the place. People are not focused on the word of God. We've gone to the extreme and sad to say most Christians are just about as carnal as the unbelievers. We think the way an unbeliever thinks and then we wonder why we are getting the same results. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you want different results, change your thinking. Quit being like the lost. Use your mind and focus on the things of God. We aren't an animal. We need to be focused. We need to take the word of God and take his truth and revelation and focus on it. And if we'll do that, it'll transform our lives. And I was really trying to get to the eighth verse, but 18th verse, but the heart can't absorb more than the seat can endure. (laughs) So I'm not through. I'm just going to quit and we'll start again tomorrow. And I tell you, there's some things here that could really, really, really help you. 
But brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you that God loves every one of you. God has a plan for every one of you. There aren't any, as Wendell says, he's famous for this in our Bible college, saying there aren't super dupers in the body of Christ. There aren't super dupers. There's not people that are better than other people. God loves every one of us. We have different positions. I may be doing something different than you're doing, but I'm not more important to God than you are. You aren't less important than the person you're sitting next to. You need to take the word of God and recognize that for us to reach our full potential, no one person can reflect God perfectly. We need every person in here to do your part. We need every person in here pulling your weight. And only when every one of us begin to start doing what God has called us to do, can we really see the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ perfected in the body. And man, this is what it's all about. You know, this is why I'm here is to take these truths and to try and impact you. And we've only got three days to do it. This is why I always encourage people to get the materials because you know what? I can't tell you everything I know in three days. So these materials are a way of going deeper. This is why we advertise the Bible colleges. This is why we're making such a push because there is a famine of the Word of God in the body of Christ. There's a lot of things being preached, but I'm talking about the true Word of God, the grace, the goodness of God, God not judging you, not being mad at you. We're doing everything we can to get this Word out. And I just ask you to receive it and then grow and mature and help us by spreading it to other people. This is why we put out study guides. Everything I put out now is in a study guide form so that you can take it and grow, but also so that you can teach a Bible study. I call it discipleship for dummies. You just read a paragraph that is some radical statement like, does God want all of us to be at the same level as Christ? Can we do the same works that Jesus did? You just read that. And then you discuss it. What do you think about this? And you listen to the people say, no way. All this stuff passed away with the apostles or whatever. And then there's scriptures. Well, let's go read these scriptures. And you read John 14, 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also in greater works. And you read the scriptures and say, how does that fit your answers? And by the time you get through, you have to say, well... I guess, yes, we can do those things. And it's just, I mean, you can't miss it. That's the reason we do all of this stuff. We're trying to get people to mature in the body of Christ. And I just ask you to join in and be a part of it. Man, recognize that God wants maturity for you. He wants it more than you want it. But it's going to take some effort on your part. This is not the most popular method because you know what? It's, it takes more than just the nod to God crowd. You can't just go one hour a week and feel like you've paid your due. But I I suspect that y'all aren't that group because this is a Thursday night and here you are out at a hotel listening to a guy talk, a hick from Texas. You're already fanatics. (laughs) Or you were drug here by a fanatic. But man, God wants us to mature. And this is why God has called me in these fivefold ministry gifts is to help mature you, to teach you what the Word of God says and challenge you and speak the truth in love 
so that we can grow and mature. God has more for you than what you're experiencing. Amen. Father, I just pray for my brothers and sisters right here. And I ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would let these truths sink in and that people would receive this. That Father, people would recognize their worth and their value to you and to the body of Christ and to the kingdom. That Father, we would quit putting people on pedestals and thinking that it's only a few people that you anoint and use and that we would recognize that every one of us is a saint. Every one of us has been called and chosen and that you have a destiny for every one of us. Father, I pray that this just becomes reality to the, to the person in here who thinks that they are the least and that they have nothing to offer. Father, I pray that tonight you would show them the value and how you're depending upon them and you've committed part of your ministry to them and that they would accept that responsibility and seek you and grow and mature. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that the Holy Spirit is doing that. And Father, I just challenge all of us in here with these words that, Father, we would not be as the lost. We would use the mind, the focus that you've given us, that we would turn our attention unto you and commit ourselves unto you. And I believe that there is going to be growth and maturity even during these three days. That, Father, revelation knowledge will come. It'll help us to grow and mature and receive your best in our life. And Father, we thank you for that. I agree and we receive it. And Holy Spirit, I depend upon you to enlighten people and draw people in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, let me say that if you aren't born again, I can guarantee you the very first step in your spiritual growth is to make Jesus your Lord. That term born again means different things to different people, but it's talking about being born from above in the same way as you were born into this physical world and you cannot function in this physical world without being born. You can't function in the kingdom of God without being born from above. You come to a place to where you accept Jesus as your Savior. You make a commitment of your life. It says in Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You have to make a commitment. And if you'll do that, then you, be, you are born from above. And that allows you to function in the spiritual realm. It allows you to go beyond the vanity of your mind and to operate in the spiritual realm and be led of the Spirit of God. It is an absolute necessity. If you haven't been born from above, you may believe that there is a God. The Bible says in James 2, 19, you believe that there's one God, you do well. The devils also believe and tremble. But won't you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. You have to do more than just believe that there's a God. You have to do more than believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You have to make Him your Lord. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it does mean that you are willing to turn your life over and depend completely upon Him. If you've never done that, I can guarantee you, you have to do that to really begin to grow in the things of God. And then once people get born again, Jesus told His disciples right after they received their salvation, He says, don't go tell anybody about the resurrection. Don't go minister. Don't do anything until you receive power 
from on high. And that was fulfilled in Acts chapter two when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they all spoke with tongues. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is an absolute necessity. And there's people that say, I don't believe you have to have the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. You don't have to have the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. You can go to heaven without the Holy Spirit, but why would you want to? Man, that's what gives you power in this life. As a matter of fact, you could get to heaven quicker if you don't have the Holy Spirit because you'll die of something. You won't have any power to overcome sickness and disease. I'm not saying that it's essential for you being born again, but it is essential for you having power and victory. And if you want to do what I was talking about tonight and grow and mature and reach the fullness of Christ, you can't get there on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus, to reveal truth. He's the one that wrote the Bible. The Holy Spirit inspired people. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, I tell you, your knowledge of the Word of God will just go through the roof. The number one thing that happened in my life, I did speak in tongues, but you know, the number one thing that happened when I received the Holy Spirit, the Word of God just came alive. I couldn't open it without God just yelling at me and telling me something. Every time I opened it, He was speaking to me. And it's still that way. The Word of God is alive because the Holy Spirit, the one who wrote it, is revealing it to me. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit. So every person in here needs those two things. You need to be born again and you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody in here tonight who would say, I need one or both of those things and I'd like you to pray for me. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right where you are so I can see who you are. Raise your hand, hold your hand up so I can see it. Keep it up here for just a second. Man, we got people all over. You know, I know some of you are probably thinking, what are you gonna do? I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to give you a free book. I hadn't got anything for you to join. It's not going to cost you anything. I'm going to give you things. All I want to do is help you. I'm promising you that every person needs this. Somebody might say, well, my church doesn't teach that you speak in tongues. That's the reason I'm not in your church. But I'm telling you, you need it. Some of you like the results that you've heard of. My son was raised from the dead after being dead for five hours. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. I've seen God bless me and prosper me. You like the fruit, but you're saying, I don't like that root. I'm telling you, you can't get the fruit without the root. This is what changed my life. If you like the results, I'm just telling you that you must receive the Holy Spirit and this speaking in tongues to be able to get there. It's an absolute necessity for your growth in the Christian life. Amen. So if you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand and didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward and let us pray with you and help you to receive here tonight. So come forward right now and let us pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Man, isn't this awesome? Praise God. Praise the Lord. It's going to change your life. Wonderful, wonderful. If we could get you to spread out so that you don't stand behind people, the reason for this 
is we're going to have prayer ministers come stand behind you and lay hands on you. And so it'll make it easier if you just spread out. We got a wide auditorium here and we should be able to get all of you in. So if you can just spread out and that way we will be able to uh, get our prayer ministers up behind you laying hands on you. Man, isn't this awesome? Look at all the people. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm glad you came. I believe that this is going to make a big difference in your life. Wonderful. You know, before I can pray with you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, first of all, Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. So you have to receive Jesus as your Savior before you receive the gift that He gives. So you have to know for sure that you've been born from above, that Jesus is your Lord. Is there anybody up here who would raise your hand and say, I need to pray and make Jesus my Lord. I'm not sure that I've done that. If there's anybody, would you raise your hand so I can see I need to pray with you first. There's one down there. I can't see it, but Robert's saying there's one. Is there anybody else? Anybody else that you aren't sure that you're born again? So this was Melody, wasn't it? More, Morgan, Morgan, excuse me. I prayed with her before the service. I forgot, Morgan. Anybody else? Are you sure? You know, I'm not trying to talk you out of your faith, but there's so many people today that think, well, I go to church and I'm a, I'm a good person. It's not about you being a good person. It's about whether or not you've made Jesus your personal Lord. You know, sitting in a garage won't make you a car. Going to church won't make you a Christian. It's all about your personal relationship with Jesus. And the Bible says that when you're born again, you have a witness in yourself and you know that you pass from death unto life. If you don't know, if you're just hoping and assuming, that's not good to base your eternal destiny on just an assumption. You need to do what the Word says and then you'll get a witness in yourself that you've passed from death unto life. Anybody else want to pray with me about this? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Here's a couple of more down here. Here's one. Anybody else? Here's another one. I knew that there was more because there's a lot of people today that just are thinking that they're saved because they aren't a Buddhist, they aren't a Muslim, so they assume they're a Christian. That's not so. You've got to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Anybody else? Praise God. For those of you that raised your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to say a prayer similar to what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. I quoted that verse earlier. You don't have to say these exact words, but you've got to mean these things. This is what the scripture says it takes for you to be saved. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you will repeat this prayer after me, and I'm going to ask everybody in here to repeat this prayer so that they won't feel like we're just listening to them. And if you will say these words and mean it in your heart, then you'll be born again. Isn't that awesome? It's really that simple. Jesus has already forgiven your sins. He's paid for them. And now it's, will you receive it? And you receive it by making Jesus your Lord and believing that he lives on the inside of you. And if you'll do that and mean it, then you'll pass from death unto life. Isn't that a good deal? That's awesome. So I'd like everybody to repeat this prayer. Say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. 
Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive. That you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You believe that? Amen. You know, if you prayed that and really meant it from your heart, then the Bible says that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe that you're saved. And you'll have a witness of the Holy Spirit and you'll know from now on that you've passed from death unto life. And the Bible says that when you do that, you become a new person on the inside. Old things pass away and all things become new. So now every person up here has said that they've prayed this prayer. And according to the scripture, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means He created you as a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. That's what you were made for. So you don't have to wonder, will He give me the Holy Spirit? You don't have to beg or plead. This is what you were made for. God wants you to have the Holy Spirit more than you want to have the Holy Spirit. He's been waiting on this opportunity. So we aren't going to beg. We aren't going to plead. We're just going to open up the doors of this temple and say, welcome, Holy Spirit. He won't force himself on you. You have to welcome him in. And we're just going to pray a simple prayer and welcome the Holy Spirit to come. Some people teach that you got to be holy and you can't have any sin in your life or the Holy Spirit won't come into a dirty vessel. I want you to know God hadn't got any other kind of vessel to come into. All of us are in varying stages of mistakes. And if you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. If you've got a problem in your life, that means you're a prime candidate for receiving the Holy Spirit. So don't let some sense of unworthiness stop you. The Bible says that He will give the Holy Spirit to all those who ask. And so we're going to ask and the Holy Spirit's going to come. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer and then I'd like to ask our prayer ministers to come up here and they are going to stand behind you and they're going to lay hands on you because the Bible says that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. So you can actually release the Holy Spirit by laying hands on people. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer and then these prayer ministers are going to lay hands on you and release the power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And after they lay hands on you, I want you to start thanking God that He gave you the Holy Spirit. I don't care what you feel like. Some people feel great emotional things. Some people, you don't feel a thing. It doesn't matter what you feel like. He promised He would give the Holy Spirit. And I want you, after they lay hands on you, to quit asking, take a step of faith, and just thank Him that He gave you the Holy Spirit. Audibly, say it out loud, and start thanking Him And at that time, after they lay hands on you, I want you to lift your hands like this and go to thanking Him because the Bible says that when you lift up your hands, you bless the Lord. This blesses God. It's like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you just go, I surrender. It's a way of surrendering. And so we're going to pray. They're going to lay hands on you. You're going to lift your hands and start thanking God. And then we are going to pray in tongues because the Bible says that when you're praying in tongues, you're giving thanks unto God. So we're going to start speaking in tongues. And as we start speaking in tongues, I want you to just start speaking in tongues with us. Quit thanking him in English and go to thanking him in tongues. And there is so much I can say about this. I'm going to give every one of you a book that will answer your questions. I wish I had more time to instruct you, but if you're ready, you can pray in tongues right now. The number one thing that hindered me and I found that hinders most people 
they think that the Holy Spirit's going to force you to speak in tongues. So they just open their mouth and wait on the Holy Spirit to make it talk. But that's not how speaking in tongues works. It says they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the inspiration, Acts 2, 4. It's just like when I spoke tonight. I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke through me, but He didn't force me to say it. It came out. I thought of the words. I spoke. It was me speaking, but I believe it was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's the way speaking in tongues is. You've got to make sounds and believe that the Holy Spirit's inspiring it. And at first it'll seem strange, it'll seem weird, but you get over it and I guarantee you, you'll find it's the Holy Spirit inspired and it builds you up. I've got this book that will tell you all about it. But if you're ready, you can pray in tongues right now. Isn't that good? The Bible says believers will speak with new tongues. I quoted that tonight. I want you to say, I am a believer and I will speak in tongues. Father, I thank you for all of these. Thank you for those who received Jesus, got born again. We believe that every one of us now is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that you created us to fill with your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We just open up the doors of our temple. We open up our heart and we say, welcome Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come into our lives right now and fill us. We want your power We want you to empower us to live a godly life and we welcome you now in Jesus' name. We lay hands on you in the name of Jesus and just release this power of the Holy Spirit to flow into your life right now. Father, we loose this and thank you that your anointing is flowing into every one of these right now. Oh, here's the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let's lift your hands and start thanking God. Just start thanking Him right now, regardless of what you feel like. Thank Him that His Word is true. And thank you, Father, for giving me the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that I am filled with the Holy Spirit. Talk out loud. Now, those of you that know how to speak in tongues, let's just start worshiping the Lord and pray in tongues. And as we speak in tongues, you join with us. Quit speaking in English and start speaking in tongues. You can't speak in English and tongues at the same time. Let's just pray in tongues right now. Thank Him. You're bypassing your brain. You're praying out of your spirit and not out of your brain. You can't pray in tongues with your mouth closed. You got to open up your mouth and you got to speak. If you don't know what to say, you could try and say what you hear the person behind you say, but your tongue will be unique to you. It'll be different. You can't say exactly what they're saying, but it'll get you to start talking. And once you start, don't quit. Just let it flow. And you may think this doesn't sound like a language, but it's like a little baby when they first speak. It doesn't sound like English, but that parent knows what they're trying to say. And as they continue to talk, they get to where they can speak fluently. Just worship the Lord. Don't worry about what it sounds like. God's listening to your heart. 
What you're doing, you're praying from your born again spirit. It's the first time that this born again spirit has had unfettered access to God. Before, it's always had to go through your mind and your emotions. But when you pray in tongues, it's going straight out of your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me have your attention here for just a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I know some of you probably hadn't spoken in tongues yet, but I want to just give you a couple of instructions. We're going to give you a book that will explain things, but whether you spoke in tongues or not, I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit because he promised he would. When I first asked for the Holy Spirit, I didn't speak in tongues because I was a Baptist. And I was taught that this was of the devil and I had fears about it and all kinds of messed up thinking. But you know what? I just kept after it. And after three and a half years, I finally got my questions and my fears answered. And now I speak in tongues a lot. I've spoken in tongues a lot today. And I tell you, it's a powerful experience. And I've written it all in a book. And I've had thousands and thousands of people read this book, understand the fears and the phobias that I had, and it's answered according to scripture. And then they just take this and they speak in tongues. And it's, and it's a powerful experience. This could be the second most important thing that's ever happened to you outside of being born again. This changed my life more than anything else. But for you to get the full benefit, it's much more than what any of you know. I promise you that. I don't care if you felt something. It's more than what you felt. You've got to understand it. And so I've written all of this in a book and I would like to give every single person a book and it will explain it. Plus, we have some people that will uh, answer your questions. If they will pray with you, if you didn't speak in tongues, they'll help you to speak in tongues if you desire to. They just want to help you any way they can. So Robert is a man standing right here in the aisle with this sign up. And if you will follow him, he's got a room. They'll give you this book. You'll be free to come back in just a few minutes. And there's also people that'll pray for you if you need a healing in your body or whatever. But we want you to get the maximum benefit. So if you would, just follow Robert and he will help you to receive all of this. Let's praise God for all of these. Isn't this great? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I don't know how many people that is, but it's a slew of them, isn't it? These are our prayer ministers that I was talking about, and these are just awesome people. Every one of them have been through a training session with Ashley and Carly. They've learned how to speak to the problem and take their authority and not just beg or plead with God, but they're people that you can receive from, and I want to offer them uh, to pray with you. We've got Angie and Al Burke. He was just healed a year or so ago. I mean, fell and was unable to walk. 
supernaturally got up and got healed and they're just doing awesome. And then Peter and Maria, man, they are Bible college graduates. They're awesome people. And you're from somewhere close to here, aren't you? Venice. You live in Vermont, but they live in Venice in the summer or whatever. Anyway, they're an awesome couple. Deborah is one of our Bible college graduates. A lot of these are people that can pray with. So please, I'm encouraging you that if you have a need, let's look to the Lord tonight instead of just a person. You may not know these people, but every one of them is well able to pray with you and help you. And if you need prayer for anything, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward right now and let one of our prayer ministers agree with you. We've got people standing at the aisles and what they're going to do is direct you towards a prayer minister so that everybody won't just go to one side or to one person. And if you'd cooperate with that, it'll help us to be able to pray for every person. So if you want prayer, just come right now. The rest of you, I'm going to hold you just a second. Let these people get into the aisles. And then I'm going to pray as they're praying with people. And lots of times we call out healings. Uh, We see a lot of miracles happen. Last night I did this over in uh, Merritt Island and we saw, I don't know, 40 or 50 people miraculously healed out there. So you're welcome to stay with us and pray. But if you desire to go, you're sure welcome to go. Remember that we have CDs, books out there. And we also have tonight's message already duplicated on DVD and CD. It's already duplicated. You can pick that up out there. And I encourage you to get those messages. Thanks for coming. We're going to be back tomorrow at 10 in the morning, 7 p.m. And then on Saturday, it'll be 10 in the morning and 6 p.m. We start one hour earlier on Saturday. And so uh, please come back and join us. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just agree with all of these and we thank you that according to your word, by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. It's already been done. And so, Father, we thank you that you've already provided healing for every single person, regardless of what the problem is. It's already done. And so we stand here as your ministers and it says, we lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So we act on the Word of God and we lay hands on the sick right now and we command bodies to recover. We command sickness and disease to be gone, pain to be gone, tumors to be gone, diseases to leave, for our body to function the way that you intended it to. Father, we just release this power now and believe that you are touching every single person in a supernatural way and that healing is coming to every person. Thank you, Jesus. We agree and we receive that. Thank you for these healings right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. There's somebody here that has problems holding your head up straight. I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's like a curvature of the spine, muscle problems. But anyway, somebody here cannot keep your head up properly. You have problems. I don't know what that is, but that's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Who is that? I want you to identify yourself so I can see who I'm praying for. I know I got the right meeting. Might be you. 
And then uh, that was Connor, right? Anybody else in here? Right here. Praise God. Those of you that are receiving this prayer, I want you to stand and raise your hand. This lady, all right, you go ahead and get prayer and I'll agree with you. And this lady right here, Connor over here, was there anybody else? Anybody else that you have problems holding your head up? Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever this is, I just call this out. And I believe under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that you're healing every one of these. Connor, I thank you that Connor is healed and that Connor is able to hold his head up, that that tumor is gone. For these two ladies, Father, whatever the problem is, in the name of Jesus, I just release healing towards you. And Father, I thank you that your healing power is flowing through their body and that whatever this problem is, is healed now in the name of Jesus. Satan, we command you to loose them and to let them go. And we receive this healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I believe you're healed. Praise God. Awesome. Father, we receive these healings now in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody here has got a problem right here in your chest. In the front part of your chest, it's like there's a bone or something that didn't grow properly or somehow or another your, your uh, rib cage or these collarbones, something has been crushed. And because of it, it affects you. You can't breathe properly. I don't know exactly how to describe that. That's the best I can do. Anybody in here, if that's you, I want you to identify yourself. See who I'm praying for. I know somebody here has either had these these uh, bones didn't grow properly or they were crushed or something, but it restricts you. Who is this? If that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand. Is that you? I knew I had the right meeting. You know, it doesn't matter what's happened to you. I believe that this is the power of the Holy Spirit right now touching you. God called this out, out of all of these people, just for you. And whatever's wrong with you right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I release this anointing to flow through her. Boy, right there's the power of God. Some of you believers around her, lay hands on her. Here's the anointing of God flowing into her body. And Father, we release this power. And whatever this cause is, whatever the results of it is, the symptoms, in Jesus' name, be free. There's the anointing of God flowing through your body right now. God's taking care of that. You aren't going to have any more problems with this ever again. You've thought that this is something you just had to live with. The Holy Spirit's healing you of this supernaturally right now. Father, we thank you. We receive this miracle and thank you for this healing taking place now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Sister, that's the power of God. I believe that you are healed. You're never going to be the same. Your body's returning to the way God intended it to be. Thank you, Father. Father, we agree and we receive this. You know, there's a number of people in here. This may be embarrassing to you. I don't mean it to be that way, but the Lord just spoke to me that he's healing a number of people of hemorrhoids and things like that. You know what? You shouldn't be embarrassed by this. If you got them, you just need to get rid of them. Amen. But who is that? If you've got that problem, I want you to identify yourself if you would. Here's some over here. Anybody else? 
Here's one. Anybody else? Here's the healing power of God. And for all of you who are too embarrassed to mention it, you're going to bootleg the prayer. I'm going to pray it won't work if you don't identify yourself. No, I won't do that. But you ought to be bold enough to stand up and receive your healing. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we command all of this problem, whatever causes hemorrhoids, we just speak against it, Satan. We command you to lose people and let them go now in the name of Jesus. We command any of the pain, discomfort, we just stop it in Jesus' name. Hemorrhoids, you leave them and be gone in the name of Jesus. And Father, I believe that your anointing is flowing through these bodies and from this moment on, their bodies recover. Right now, Father, that a miracle takes place and that they recover in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Father, we agree and receive it. I believe that that's the anointing of God. You aren't going to have these problems anymore. This is over. From this moment on, your body is recovering. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive it. Thank you, Father, for these healings. We receive it in the mighty, mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody had some kind of an accident or something and you had one of your eyebrows, something hit you. It could have been a car wreck, something hit you and you've had uh, a bone right here damage your, your skull right in the realm of your eyebrow and it causes problems. You may have had it for a long time and have adjusted to it, but there's somebody here that, that's had some kind of problem. You could have hit your head on something. Who is that, that you had some kind of a damage to your skull right here around where the eye, eyebrow is? God's healing you of that right now. If that's you, I want you to identify yourself. Stand and raise your hand so I can see you. I know this isn't for somebody who left. This is for somebody that's here. Who are you? You know, I called out things in a meeting one time that somebody had a... a chest that was caved in and instead of bowing out it bowed in and I just wouldn't let it go and I kept calling this out and saying I know you're here and finally a woman stood up and 40 years before she was kicked by a horse and her uh, chest caved in and she'd gotten over it didn't have any pain but it restricted her ability to breathe she couldn't take a deep breath and she just learned to live with it and she thought well it's bound to be somebody else But you know what? She was instantly healed. Her chest was expanded and she was over this problem. And um, it really made a difference in her life. And I don't know why you wouldn't respond, but this lady just thought maybe there's somebody here that had something more. The way you know if this is you is if you ever had anything hit you like right here in the eyebrow and it affected your skull, well, then that's you. Amen. It's real simple. I know you're here. Where are you? Is this you? How come you're so slow responding? Come right here, brother. Father, we just agree. And in the name of Jesus, whatever happened right here, I just lay hands on him and any damage. You know, you didn't realize that some of the problems that you've dealt with were associated with this. But there's been some problems that you've had that actually came from this uh, trauma that you got. 
and God is healing you right now and you'll see some things that you didn't even associate it with it clear up in your life. I believe that God is healing you right now, brother. And whatever damage, whatever the results of this is, we release this now and thank you, Father, that from this time forth, he's healed. No more problems with this. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. You agree with that? Absolutely. What happened to you? Uh, well, it's, uh, it did get a, a blow to the cheek years ago. What was it? Uh, it was a bar fight. A bar fight. Well, <laughs> praise God, you're healed. Amen. Awesome, brother. Awesome, awesome. Isn't that good? God will heal you even of damage you got in a bar fight. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you. Thank you that every one of these people is healed. Father, we agree and we receive it. Thank you for your miraculous power. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Man, isn't this awesome? I'm so excited to see all of these people down here praying with other people. That's great. This is the way it's supposed to be. The body of Christ ministering one to another in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus.